This is Wildcat Country. It's only right. The ball's in his hands. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. All the inside scoop on U of A athletics. Welcome to another edition of Wildcat Country, Eric Cohen and Shane Dale. And, you know, there may not be any sports going on, but Shane and I have an awesome show put together uh, for this week. It, uh, we have two guests. We just one wasn't enough. We have our buddy Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio, who's I know one of our listeners favorite guests we and, on. and Sean Miller's best friend and Sean Miller's best friend uh, <laughs> are right up there. Uh, so he's going to talk college basketball, college football with us. And then we have another one of our most popular guests who uh, is a U of A legend. And now with the Phoenix Mercury, Sam Thomas going to join us here. So really excited. What a great show the week before the 4th of July. I mean, you could not have asked for a better show. So great job putting that together, Shane. Uh, just a lot to go over later, so we'll do that. But uh, let's get right into it. Let's get into Buy or Sell presented by Ice Shaker. Shane and I have our Ice Shakers here. Every week we tout this. If you're watching the video, these things are awesome. If you know anyone with a July birthday, great birthday gift, check out iceshaker.com. Use promo code Wildcat Country, capital W, capital C. Can you hear that? And get $5 off. You yeah, you can. Okay, good. That's been in there for a couple hours. So. Same with mine. Yeah. They yeah. work. Still shaking the ice in the ice shake. These are awesome. We'll have Chris Gronkowski. We keep promising it, but we're going to have him on here soon. Uh, all right, Shane, let's get right into it. Number one in buy or sell. Uh, buy or sell. Arizona's next first round pick in football and or men's basketball will be in 2023 or 2024. I'll go ahead and buy that. Yeah, I don't think they have a first round pick on, on the roster uh, this season. The Batman's basketball team. Football team, I think, could eventually, and the obvious answer there is T Mac, but obviously he's not going to. That's not he can't come out for three right, years. Though. Right, right. So, so it won't be for at least at least a couple of years. Um, so, uh, but if you're talking about the not this year, but the next year, uh, yeah, I I'll just put it this way: I don't think they're going to have a first round pick in football or men's hoops uh, next season. Uh, with that said, we thought probably going into this past basketball season they were going to have maybe one first round pick, and that was Matherin, and then everyone else will probably be coming back. And then you got two first, almost three first round picks. Uh, so we'll see. But as of now, I, I agree with you. I think that I don't think we're going to have any first round picks on either side. Hopefully in football, we'll at least have some picks, you know, and get back in, uh, they'll get back in the game there a little bit. Um, but yeah, first round, it's going to be a while. All right. So we've got Henry Vassar in basketball. You figure he's a multiple year project, but let's say he goes two years like Matherin did or Dale and Terry and then goes to the pros. So, okay. I'm, I'm good with, I would put that in 2024. That's why I gave the two-year window. I'm going to buy it as well. Um, the other one I want to look at, and you may call me crazy, and I haven't read a thing about this guy. I think Pella Larson could continue to develop. Ooh. And after his his you know redshirt junior year or whatever they gave the bonus year because of COVID, yeah. that would be in 2020, the 2024 draft. Wouldn't shock me if he snuck in there at the end. I could Call me it. crazy. I think he's a great shooter. And, you, you know, you, at the end of the first round, you just never know in the NBA draft. He's going to get foot- a chance to play. I'm sorry, Rick. I'm just going to say with Pella Larson, he's going to ha- get a chance to play on the Swedish national team here coming up soon. Great experience for him. So, yeah, the expectations for him are going to be high, and I think rightfully so. Uh, great defender, good shooter. I I think he's the guy that I would expect to make to a big as big a leap as anyone, maybe more so uh, this next season, outside of maybe Adama Ball, who – Fair or unfair. We didn't really get to see much of him. Right, We don't know anything. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's a, we saw him a, just a little bit. Uh, I think Jacob Cowing in football, you know, has mm-hmm. maybe day two potential. If he blows up and has a hell of a combine, yeah. there's a possibility for day one, but uh, I'm going to say basketball 2024. I think you would agree with me on that. So we're both buying that one. Number two, the men's basketball roster for 2022, 23 is set and no additional players will be added Buy or sell. I'm going to buy it, you know, other than a walk-on. I, I think probably so. And, uh, you know, I got to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how the, the, this, how all the scholarships work, but I think that the, this program is maybe being a little cautious and saying, look, if there's no one else we really want to add who's going to make an instant impact this season, we want to keep those open because they might not be there for very long. Because 
they could look at they could see some possible scholarship reductions here with the IARP ruling coming down. Hopefully, sometime soon. Hopefully, we'll get this done. So, uh, but be, but regardless of that, I it seems like it's pretty locked in. I mean, it, it's at the end of June, early almost July. I can't imagine they're going to make another big impact addition. They certainly could, um, but if nothing else, I think it might there might be a walk on. But that's it. Gut feeling, I'm going to sell this. I'm not saying it's going to be a major impact player, and I'm not including walk-ons in this. I'm talking just about scholarship players, guys that right, might play. Sure. Just have a feeling something will happen in the fall or maybe late summer, early fall. I don't know anything. I haven't read anything, but just a, a gut feeling. Maybe somebody gets unhappy somewhere and they want to go. And I, I think Arizona will look to find somebody, especially at the guard position, if there's a, a transfer point guard that may become available. Um, you know, just throwing that out there wouldn't wouldn't shock me if the Wildcats. So I'm going to sell that one. You're going to buy it. Uh, number three, uh, Tom Fornelli of uh, of I don't I don't know is he is he CBS Sports put this uh, this thing out. Uh, yeah, CBS Sports in the Cover Three podcast put this thing out uh, on Twitter last week that Arizona the 2021 Arizona football team was the greatest one win team ever. Are you buying or selling that, Shane? Now I need some context for that because. Are you are you talking about how like based on the regular season and the off season with all the all the commits, or that they were just a, a really good one win team that probably should have won more games in in the actual season? What, what Basically, was, was based on, on on total yards differential. Okay, uh, Arizona had in this. I I don't even understand the the formula that he put together, but he says that Arizona basically total yards differential was fairly close to even. Yeah, and for every team, you shouldn't you know for winning one game you should be significantly behind the competition. You look that's at a good why chunk, he said that. That's yeah. fair. And you look at a good, well, first of all, I'm just going to say, I don't have a, a whole, you know, a Rolodex of all the one-win teams ever. So I, I can't answer that question. But in terms right. of his point, his overall point, that Arizona was better than its record, you look at a lot of the stats and, and you think that, that you would have thought they would have won some more games. Yeah. Uh, certainly on the defensive side of the ball, that they made a big improvement from the previous year. Uh, the big issue was they, they the, the red zone. That was the big thing, um, you know, other issues as well, but they just couldn't, they couldn't score when they got inside the 20 heck, when they got inside the one, they couldn't score a touchdown. So that, that was the big thing, but they, but they were in a lot of games last year. I mean, they were not a good team by any means, but the against UCLA and against BYU and heck against Utah, they hung with Utah for, for almost four quarters. So they're not that far off. So when you combine the fact that, that they've significantly up, upgraded their roster, of course you have to take away the, the schedule, but yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that they were definitely better than their record as far as the greatest one-win team ever. First of all, that's not an accolade I'd want. Second of all, I, I don't have a list of all the one-win teams in the history of college football. But I, I buy his point that they were, they're not that far off, as far off as from competing as you might think by their record. Okay, uh, I'm going to sell this. Uh, Arizona last year, I, I don't know if – I, I mean, listen, you're right in that we don't know the historical context of one-win teams – uh, Arizona last year just didn't move the needle enough to call them the greatest one win team ever, but you're right. Um, it's really a, a tough, it's kind of a tough one. When you, when you lose at home to NAU, it's kind of tough. To yeah. You got to throw that out. Okay. Uh, two bonus questions this week, Shane, number one, buy or sell the new numbers on the field at Arizona stadium. Uh, not a fan, not a fan. I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, I kind of like the the look of the old ones. I'm, I'm not someone who's going to get too bent out of shape with that stuff. I care. I probably care too much about uniforms. Um, I care a little bit more about that than, than the numbers. I, I don't give it a lot of thought. Uh, it, it is kind of cool. Now, is it a new thing? They have Arizona in one, in one end zone and Wildcats in the other. Wasn't it so, Arizona yeah. in both before? Yeah. I don't mind okay. that. Um, the numbers, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're trying to make them look like kind of futuristic or something. But look. It, they'll, it's one of those things where, you know, like when the Suns introduced their, um, the Valley uniforms, yeah, I hate those, hate well, but, but most fans love them. And I think it's because they, it, they're synonymous with winning because they, they, the same year they got those uniforms, they made it all the way to the NBA finals. So though, my point is those numbers on the field are going to look great if they have a great season. Okay. It's good. They're going to be synonymous with a new era and a new chapter of errors in the football. If not, then people are going to be like, eh. I personally don't like them, but I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah, I'm selling them. I don't like them that much either. Uh, but I agree with what you said. Uh, the second bonus question. Sprouts is the new official grocery chain of the Pac-12 conference. Are you buying or selling Sprouts as your official grocery chain? 
I had, did not know this was a thing and, and, and you were putting me on the spot here. Sprouts. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm traditionally like more of a, um, you know, fries or Safeway guy. Um, at least it's not whole foods. Cause I feel like that's just kind of snooty, but sprouts is kind of the same way. I, you know what? Sprouts has some good stuff. I haven't been in a while because the place we live in now isn't close to a sprouts. Um, but I don't know. What's the tie in there with the pac 12. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure out why you need an official grocery store. Is it like, this is where Arizona is going to buy all their post-game meals. Yeah. I thought that was Chick-fil-A. So I, I'm kind of confused. <laughs> I don't know what we need an official grocery store, but I saw well, that and I money. had to throw that in there as a bonus question. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, but that, who, what? If you're sprouts, what are you paying for? You're paying know. for advertisements on PAC 12 network. Yeah. Cause, cause, zero. cause all the, all the, the, the dozens of people who watched yeah. uh, PAC 12. After in China. And, yeah, yeah. In China. I can't get it. You can't get it. I can but get in it in China. Oh, you yeah. can't. Yeah. yeah I have I, sling. I see. I have YouTube TV. I can't get it. It's a bummer. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I have of, sling. Yeah. Oh, we need to have our buddy, Matt Muehlbach back on one of these days too, from PAC 12 network, oh, but yeah. I will not share that, that whole YouTube TV can't get him thing. So just That's fair. keep that between us. I won't know? tell Matt. Uh, so coming up on the show, that was uh, by yourself presented by ice shaker. Thanks to our buddies at ice shaker. Check those out. IceShaker.com. coming up two great interviews, Aaron Torres from Fox sports radio and our friend, Sam Thomas, who I'm going to make the case is one of the most treasured Arizona athletes over the past decade. Check out their interviews here on Wildcat Country. Scooby, we sent you an ice shaker. Um, they are a sponsor, uh, courtesy of our buddy Chris Gronkowski. Uh, you have it Bro, right there. I love my ice shaker. Fun fact, when I was I trained with Glenn Gronkowski, everybody, when we were trained together, people thought I was, I was the other Gronk brother, so it was kind of funny. But yes, I love my ice shaker. It is very good. I use it every day. I am a, I am a veteran to the ice shaker game, by the way. What's up, Wildcat Country? Chris Gronkowski here. Use coupon code WildcatCountry at iShaker.com. Shane, a few weeks ago when we did our, our 100th episode, we posted something on Twitter about our favorite, you know, people's favorite guests that come on the show. I believe that one of the most popular was none other than our next guest here on Wildcat Country, and that is our friend Aaron Torres of uh, Fox Sports Radio, and he is a uh, he is the college basketball and football guru. So, Aaron, always glad to have you. Uh, I, I want to ask right off the bat, did you seeing last week the NBA draft results, Dalen Terry, Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco, did any of them, based on where they were drafted, make a mistake in not coming back to Arizona next season? Good question to start. Um, you know, I think Ben Matherin made a mistake by calling out with Ron James, like 30 seconds after he got to the NBA. But, um, but no, I mean, listen, Dalen, um, you know, I had heard all along that he was a, a big riser. And I think the question with Dalen became, you know, did he want to be Ben Matherin potentially? Did he want to come back, have to shoulder that load? And I'm, and I hope everyone understands I'm not criticizing, critiquing, judging, but it would have been a tough, it would have been a tall task without, you know, a top 10 pick alongside him and, and a second round pick as well. And so I, based on where Dalen was drafted, based on the money he's going to make, I don't think he made a decision. And Christian Coloco, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't surprised he was a second rounder. He's a seven foot one guy that, that mostly plays in the paint. And it's just, it's hard to get drafted when you're that big. And he's an incredible athlete. He's athletic. He blocks shots. He does this, he does that. I just don't know that the new world of basketball loves guys with his skill set. So, you know, unless he was coming back and he was going to prove that he could be like a 38% three point shooter and, and shoot a bunch of threes, I don't know that it, it made a difference. And so I, I really don't think any of the three honestly made a decision. I know, again, Christian Coloco maybe went a little lower than maybe was projected at the end of the regular season, end of the NCAA tournament. I don't think so, though. I mean, I, I think it was a great day for Arizona basketball, three you know, top 35-ish picks, whatever Coloco ended up being. I can't say that any of them made a mistake. Yeah, I think that, and I think that was my takeaway as well, Aaron, even though in the short term, it's a bummer to lose all three of them in the long term to see that they just sent three guys to the NBA, uh, sec tied for second, I think, in, in all of college hoops uh, right behind uh, Duke. That that that's definitely a good thing. Let's talk about Tommy Lloyd's first season in Tucson. Uh, big picture, obviously a success, but, you know, everyone remembers the NCAA tournament and Arizona came up short there that they just collapsed against Houston. Just your overall thoughts on Tommy Lloyd's first season. Well, the season it's, I mean, it, it ended in disappointment, but I mean, there's 67 teams that are going to be disappointed at the end of the tournament. And 
I know an Arizona fan, and I, I remember one time I came out, I don't know if it was, I don't know if I did more than one appearance during the season, but I remember us talking, um, I believe it was after the Tennessee game for sure, but at some point we had the conversation, um, would this season be Final Four bust? Would it be a disappointment if you don't at least get to New Orleans? I can't speak for you guys, but I think overall it was a success. I mean, look, we're seeing, you know, the 2022 class was a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit whatever, but 2023, Arizona already has a few commitments. I saw that kid KJ Lewis a few weeks ago at an event in Vegas. Um, I know they're in with some of the, the highly ranked uh, guys in 2023. I don't claim to be a recruiting expert, but I, who was the top 10 kid? So is there a BJ, KJ, something like that? I feel like there's a top 10 kid that's trending towards Arizona. Yeah, Kwame um, Evans, KJ, KJ Evans. Yeah, KJ and Evans, he's, yeah. he's probably going to end up at Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think this was something that we might have talked about. I know that I talked about it in, in various other places is, you know, year one, you want to set, obviously you want to have success that, that, that goes out saying on the court that happens, but I think they set the tone for who they're going to be, how they're going to play, et cetera. And I think it is a, a style of play that's going to be really appealing to high school players, to transfers. I know they got a few guys late that I'm sure we'll talk about, um, but no, I, I think to me, it's a success because you want to set that foundation. And here's the other thing too, uh, as you just said, Shane, three guys selected something that we talked about, you know, obviously, look, I have an immense amount of respect for Sean Miller and the program that he built, but those three guys aren't getting drafted where they were if they didn't play in the Tommy Lloyd system this year. And I think that he and his system and their style of play elevated all three of those guys. Um, you know, maybe brought something out of some of the other guys, whether it was Kirk Risa, Umar Balo, whatever, over the course of a season. And so I think it was a success. Again, you when you're a one seed, you don't want to end it in the Sweet 16 the way that you did. And it was obviously a disappointing ending. Um, but I think it was a great foundation, Pac-12 regular season title, Pac-12 tournament title, um, and really just a, um, a template for what the program is going to look like, how you're going to play under Tommy Lloyd. All right, so let's look ahead to next season, Aaron. We're losing uh, in three of your top, maybe arguably your top three guys, three of your top four. Of course, Justin Kyer off the bench uh, graduated, so he's gone. Uh, interesting mix of guys that Tommy added, of course, going to the international well again. Uh, a couple of transfers that maybe aren't necessarily head turners, but fit in well as, as, um, you know, as, as seniors, grad transfers. What are your overall thoughts on, on how good this team could be next season, considering all they lost? Well, a few factors. I mean, one, I think Pac-12, unfortunately, is not going to be very good again. Um, you know, I, I you know, I, I do think UCLA is going to be good, but that's one team. Um, Oregon flips over their roster so much, I think it's hard to know, like, any given year, is it going to click? Is it not going to click? Uh, USC, right near where I live, I, I think Andy Enfield has done a really good job with that program overall. But you lose Isaiah Mobley, who's obviously an all-Pac-12 player. So that's part of it. Um, two, I think they'll probably be better than people realize. Listen, Courtney Ramey's a really good player. Um, you know, you go back and look this year, if like it was weird because there was the 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 shock of smart holdovers, but then Chris Beard brought in his guys and he had a bunch of high major transfers, and everybody's trying to come in and get their stats. And you know, even in March, like there was a press conference from Chris Beard, I forget if it was like late February or early March, that he was still talking about all our guys aren't on the same page. All our guys aren't bought in. And so when I look at Courtney Ramey, you know, you go back to that year that Texas was really good. Shaka Smarts last year, they won the big 12 tournament uh, in 2021. And I, I don't remember all the numbers off the top of my head, but I think Courtney Ramey averaged about 12, 12 and a half points per game, four assists or so 38, 39% three point shooting can play on the ball, can play off the ball. Obviously I assume he'll be mostly off the ball with Kirk Creesa, uh, you know, back next season, but I like him, you know, obviously the, the kid from Princeton, we'll see if, if the step up is a big, you know, is a big thing. But again, you, you mentioned Shane, Justin Kyer. I assume that he's going to fill a lot of that role. So uh, I'd be lying if I said, I knew a lot about the international guys, but, but Tommy's track record speaks for itself. Um, I obviously Kirk Reese, uh, uh, essentially a third year point guard at this point, Bellis, we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, uh, Umar Balo, I thought actually played pretty well down the stretch. And I, I do think Courtney Ramey is going to be a pretty good, pretty good player for them. And then the question becomes, again, uh, what do you get out of the rest of the Pac-12? Because there's going to be a lot of wins to be had there. I think that's why the Ada Conference will be an important part of the schedule as well to kind of test yourself, Maui Invitational, Indiana, et cetera, against some of the better competition across college basketball. 
So you, I believe, uh, in your uh, next season rankings, your early next season rankings, now this is before the Dale and Terry defection. I believe that yeah. Arizona at 10. Like um, yeah. where, where would you put them in your next rankings as they stand now? Well, now that they have Courtney Ramey and, and Henderson, I think I, I really maybe had them in the like right around 25, maybe outside, maybe 23, you know, before the, the two commitments. I think they're a top 25 team. Now, the ceiling next season might not be as high, unfortunately, as this past year. But, you know, as a point that we discussed that when I last time I was on this show, uh, and I'm not trying to compare last year to next year, but um, there wasn't very high expectations coming into the 2022 season as well. So I do think, I, I think top 25 feels about right. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you, you forget like the NCAA tournament's brutal, but you return. And part of the reason that I had them that high with Dalen Terry is one, I obviously really like Dalen, believe in him and his talent. I know he's not coming back anymore, but I mean, you start talking about four out of at the time, it would have been four out of the top seven players off of a number one seed, a team that was in the top, you know, top 10, essentially from whatever December one on that most teams in college basketball don't return that. And so, so now you have three guys, they're all going to be asked to play bigger roles. And I thought, again, the staff did a pretty good job filling in the gaps. And again, it's a little bit, it happened later in the process than I'm sure many Arizona fans would like. I know that there was some, you know, I don't want to say frustration, but maybe concern throughout most of the spring about what was going on in the portal, but you get two guys late. Um, you know, the international guys are obviously well-regarded, but any freshman, it's going to take some time to adjust. But I think, look, you're talking about three players that are returning three marquee important players off of a PAC 12 championship team. I think the big question is, does one of them probably it's going to, I don't know, maybe Kerr or Tubelis. Um, you know, Tubelis obviously has to get out of the, whatever funk he was in late in the year, but you know, um, one of them's obviously going to have to take a step up. And then I think Courtney Ramey, you need to be the player that uh, that I just said that he was about, you know, I, and I think he probably needs to take another step, uh, which I think he's capable of in that system, the 14, 15 points per game, the shooting that he had two years ago, the playmaking that he had two years ago, and we'll see if he fits. But the system obviously I think uh, fits his style of play, fits the style of play that he wants. Um, now it's just a question of getting all the guys to all the puzzle pieces yeah, it's really encouraging to hear what you say about Ramey because we don't know a lot about him. I mean, we've seen him, you know, in the occasional Big 12 game on ESPN or whatnot. So it's nice to hear that he's going to be an impact player. All right, I'm going to steal one from the Shane Dale playbook here. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, and one thing we have talked to you about over and over in the past is this uh, IARP, or I think oh, is that, that what it is, the ruling. Do you have you any it. insight and what do you expect at this point to happen? I mean, would you just say at this point, we shouldn't have to worry about a, a future tournament ban. I guess is my main question. To answer that direct question, it feels like, listen, let, let's just put two and two together, right? Sean Miller got another job. Um, if there was concern in college sports that some crazy hammer was coming down at Arizona, I don't think Sean Miller would be hired. And it's something when I, when I had Sean on my podcast, we talked about that is he's like, look, I feel confident in where I'm at. I, you know, I, I can't, I can only articulate what I know to administrators, but I feel good um, that what happened with me, what, what's happening with me, but then what's also happening with the program is not going to be a surprise to anybody. So I think you just, even if you're an Arizona fan that hates Sean Miller, whatever, um, it's a good sign that he got another job, that Xavier, uh, that other schools were interviewing him. I know, I think South Carolina was seemed to be very interested in him. Somebody, you know, they hired him. And, and so they must have had pr a pretty good feeling from the NCAA, from the powers that be, that one, you know, no significant suspension is coming from him, that there's nothing new uh, coming out about Arizona. And I know that's a hot topic of conversation uh, with Arizona fans. I remember when Seth Greenberg was on campus uh, for game day talking about, well, we don't have all the facts yet. It's like we have all the facts, like everything that, that's going to come out has come out. So you factor that in with obviously two seasons ago, an NCAA, a self-imposed NCAA tournament ban. Um, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, I was just, I was actually just talking to Mike Boyd in the Oklahoma State coach the other day, but they, I thought unfairly got a one-year ban, but they got a one-year ban. Arizona has a self-imposed ban. I, listen, you never know what's going to happen with the NCAA. You never know what's going to happen with this independent council that I don't know if they've officially even ruled. I, I, maybe NC State, I don't know. Five Auburn. years in, 
Auburn. They, they, they were they, they were in Auburn and they did, and they got a lot of four years probation, but no additional NCAA tournament ban. And the reason that was given was they didn't want to punish the current players for what happened when previous players were there. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean that kind of speaks to the ridiculousness of this that we're five years in, and I one I can't remember who's gotten what. I mean, I know Oklahoma State got the one year tournament ban. USC is closed without a tournament ban, but I would take it as a positive that. Uh, besides the the Sean getting another job, just the fact that um, you know, just the fact that the self-imposed ban. To your point, Shane, new players. I, I think, and I, I'll just say this, and I know I'm going long. I do think, as as I don't know if it's stupid or not, but I think the NCA, like when you clean house, I think that does matter to them. Where I, I don't want to say that they they don't want to punish Tommy Lloyd or whatever. But I think it's like, okay, Arizona did what they had to do. Sean Miller and his staff got caught doing whatever. Uh, get him out. It took a little bit longer than obviously some of the other schools, but he's gone. Self-imposed ban. All the players are gone to Shane's point. I would be at this point, I would be shocked if there was any further postseason ban, maybe a scholarship reduction or whatever. In 2023, I don't even know if that matters. I mean, nobody fills 13 scholarships anyway. But I, I'll admit, I would be surprised if anything further in terms of like a postseason ban or anything that really negatively impacts the program comes out of this. Yeah, and I, and I encourage people to listen to your, your interview with Sean Miller because he did. I think he did allude to the, his belief that he might be punished additionally, but it's li- unlikely Arizona is going to get a lot more punishment. So that was, that was interesting. Let's pivot the football real quick, Aaron. Uh, coming off a one-win season, Arizona's put together a heck of a recruiting class. They actually have a Power 5 starting quarterback now in Jaden Delora. Your overview, what do you think of this of this team going into the next season? Yeah, you know, I'll say this is like um, – I find the whole Jed Fish thing very interesting. And, and just from a distance, you know, obviously, look, I think I was like everybody else, very skeptical of the hire when it happened, all that stuff. Um, and not that Kevin Sumlin should have been retained. He needed to go. But obviously, uh, yeah, I see you shaking your head there, Eric. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not team Sumlin in any way, shape or form here, OK? Um, I'm just saying that, you know, I, w- I was hesitant. But what he did on the recruiting trail this offseason, I was – blown away by and again I'm not a recruiting expert I you know obviously the the guys that have played in college I've seen all that good stuff but to get the the Cowling kid from UTEP that everybody seemed to want to get the five-star receiver that was committed to Oregon that everybody seemed to want I mean I think the big thing and you guys could answer this better than me is I think it it seems as though everybody understands that this is going to be a process um, and I think he's doing everything that he can to to one expedite the process but two build, you know, build foundational blocks, right? Like it's one thing to say, we stunk, we're this, we're that. Um, it's another thing to recruit really well, to start that process of an actual rebuild where maybe not this season, maybe not next season, but where you're ultimately really competitive in the long term. And I think that's what he's doing. I mean, he's bringing in the caliber of players that you need to, to compete at the top of the Pac-12. Um, I, I think he'll get there. I mean, listen, it's like anything else, right? You need... Uh, football is so different. You need 85 guys. You need guys along the line of scrimmage. You need guys on defense, but he's bringing in really talented players. And then the other thing I would say, and I know you guys know this, I know everybody listening knows this, but you know, they, they competed last year and, and it, it, it didn't result in a win loss record that would reflect that. But you know, there was a couple games there that easily could have gone the other way that maybe should have gone the other way. Um, you're in a winnable, you know, do we still do divisions? I don't even really totally know sort what's going of. on with that. Yeah, yeah yes and like, no. It's, it's, yeah, it's, like, like Colorado's a mess. Uh, you guys don't need me to tell you what's going on at ASU and the mess that they have there. So, sure, go, on, go, into, go into that. Go into that if you want. Well, no, I'm, 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 just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I mean, I do have a little mini rant on that. I mean, I just think you talk about NCA rules violations, and I know we live in a, a post NCA rules violations world where nobody knows what the rules are anymore. That was the dumbest scandal that I can ever remember because I remember like when it all started it's like okay like you know and again the the rules are different now with with NIL and everything but I remember saying like you know there are schools that cheat and like they get caught and you're just like that was dumb but I understand it right like you feel like you have to do something against the rules to compete who was Arizona State competing with to get kids on campus during COVID when nobody else had kids on campus and then taking pictures of it and then leaving a paper trail and then whatever. So, um, so Arizona, I think there's a lot of optimism, Arizona state. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I would have thought that Herm Edwards would be gone by now. He's not, 
Um, so, so anyway, yeah. so, so we yeah. got that going for us. So, yeah. Which is nice. Uh, last question for you, Aaron, and it's a two-parter. Uh, where okay. does Arizona finish in the Pac-12 South? Because I do think we have divisions for at least one more year. And who wins the Pac-12 this year? Two really good questions. Um, I will say, is it too optimistic to stay fourth ahead of Arizona State and Colorado? I don't think so, right? I, I've seen that. You know what? I've seen that prediction elsewhere, specifically because Arizona plays both of those teams at home this year. Okay. So very it's possible, possible. Yeah, I mean, Colorado's one, and I don't know all the inner workings there. Um, but listen, the hire was weird at the time, Carl Durrell, and I get it. It was. I don't remember if it was during COVID or right before COVID, but Mel Tucker leaves in February, maybe even early March, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and, you know, he leaves and, and I get it and whatever, but, you know, nobody really liked the hire at the time. They lost a million guys to the portal. They're a mess. Arizona State speaks for itself. So, yeah, I think fourth seems totally reasonable to me. And then I would say in terms of the conference, um, I mean, it feels like, – I mean, I don't know if it feels like a cop-out or not to say Utah. I, I I don't know, because the USC thing, I think it's I think it's good for our area of the country. I really do. It's funny. I was talking to a basketball assistant the other day, and we're like, I think Lincoln Riley being at USC, if they reach their potential, is good for the entire conference. I think it, you know, it creates more interest, it creates more viewership, it potentially helps with future TV contracts, it gets more money. Uh, into these programs, which leads to better facilities, all that good stuff, maybe more NIL money, obviously, in this world that we live in now. Um, but, you know, I'm just not sold that that thing gets flipped overnight. I mean, we all watched them last year. They were, t- I mean, listen, I host Fox Sports Radio Saturday night till 11 Pacific time. So all those games were on during my show and they were a complete mess. And so I just don't believe that you can bring in 50 new guys or 45 new guys or whatever they're going to bring in. And it just immediately clicks and it's just immediately, you know, Oklahoma West and they're winning 11 games and and winning a PAC 12 title Uh, and Oregon, you know, I'm just new head coach. I know that the, the across the board talent was there, uh, but you know, they kind of fell off late. They kind of got punked in the PAC 12 championship game really twice in the final month of the season against Utah uh, I'm gonna go Utah. I don't. I don't know if that's a cop out or not, but no, I, I, think so. that, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I think USC would be the cop out if I was just like, yeah, Caleb Williams, they're amazing. Like, I don't know if I. I yeah, I, I'll go. I'll go with Utah. Go yeah, with but you gotta look at Utah. I mean, they were that close to winning a Rose Bowl game against an Ohio State team that really didn't care. But still, I mean, they were that close to winning a Rose Bowl game. Just point that out. All right, last question. This one's kind of off the radar, but okay. you know, I think you gotta test you a little bit here when you come oh, on. Boy. If you were the Pac-12 commissioner and you were negotiating a TV deal for the conference in football and men's basketball, what would you do that they that the conference is currently not doing now? Is it different windows? Is it different networks? What would you look to do? You know, the one thing that I would do, and I don't know that it moves the needle with the TV executive, I do think we got to do away with the travel partners in, in basketball. Uh, I think that's a tough ask for Arizona to go up to Washington and play on a Thursday night or thir- you know Thursday at 6 p.m. and then you're sitting around in a hotel room for for 48 straight hours or you know sometimes in, in Arizona I don't think really is impacted by this because they're always that primetime Saturday game but I mean you have teams playing Sunday Sunday night you know and and I hate to say this not every team's flying charter like Arizona not every team travels like Arizona and so what ends up happening is a USC or an Oregon or a, another team that could be in the NCAA tournament picture ends up taking a weird loss just because they played Thursday night. Now they're playing Sunday at 4 PM. And, you know, they've been sitting in a hotel for 72 hours. I think that hurts the league. Now what's the absolute alternative that makes everything better. I don't know. Uh, I'm not yet paid that, that kind of consulting money to, to answer that question. But I do think that that in basketball, the best teams do take weird losses, I think, because of that, especially as we now play more games on Sunday, we get the occasional Wednesday. Game. I'll tell you this really quick is that think about, you know, you, you asked about different windows, Eric. Remember that? And I, I hate to bring it up, but that Tuesday night game at Pauly between Arizona and UCLA. Yeah, it was compelling. Was awesome. Like, like. And why do we have to play all six Pac-12 games on Thursday in the same window when not everybody can watch? Now, I'll be honest, 
Not every team is compelling. Not America isn't always tuning in to watch Oregon State. But, you know, that's always been weird to me is that you, you stack your games on top of each other where fans can't enjoy more than basically one team at a time. Um, and again, sometimes there's not more than one, one or two teams to enjoy. But I, I do think what you said about windows and, and I would do away with the travel partners and figure out a more uh, efficient way to get the best teams kind of not having to sit in a hotel for 48, 72 hours, kind of just over the course of any given week. It's a great solution. My last thing for you, tell us where everybody can find you on Twitter. Cause you have multiple, you have your main Twitter, you have the Arizona Torres on Arizona yes. Twitter, and then where can people find you online and on the radio? Yeah. Thank you. Um, first of all, I, I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. Uh, the, 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 my, my personal page is Aaron underscore Torres. We started the Torres on Arizona page, which is taken off in a way that I, I don't know that I was really expecting. So I appreciate the support of all of, uh, Wildcat country to use a, a, a cliche and, and Wildcat nation. I appreciate your guys support. So that's Torres on Arizona, uh, all Wildcats all the time. It's a little quiet right now. There's not much going on, um, but we'll ramp up Pac-12 media day, all that stuff. And then, yeah, uh, the Aaron Torres podcast three times a week. Uh, that's also available on YouTube, obviously a podcast, you know, traditional sense. And then uh, I host, as I said, on Fox sports radio every Saturday night. So Sometimes I'm competing with the Wildcats on Saturday night, but when you're not watching the Wildcats, um, make sure to tune into Fox Sports Radio. We're on uh, all over the country. Well, we don't know how you have any spare time to do anything else, but thanks for joining Shane and I. Great, great time uh, talking to you as always, and I'm sure we will have you on again sooner than later. Anytime you guys need me, I appreciate your guys' support. I appreciate, again, the support of Arizona fans, and uh, I enjoy coming on, too. That's that, that's the other part, is I just like talking to you guys. So anytime you need me, just call it. Shane, it's great to be joined by one of the most popular guests in Wildcat Country history. I believe this is her fifth or sixth time on the program, so we're always glad to have her. And now she's in the pros. Sam Thomas of the Phoenix Mercury, formerly, I would say, arguably the most popular Arizona athlete over at least the last decade, I would, I would think. We can debate that later, Shane. But we're glad to have you here, Sam, once again. Uh, before we get going with everybody, everything else, I, I want to ask you about a tweet that you put out the other day that I was kind of confused about. So you, you put like Phoenix to Italy, essentially. <laughs> so what does that mean? And does that affect your Mercury season or how does explain more about that? Yeah, I think it confused a lot of people, which I mean, I'm glad to help people understand. Um, I don't think people realize that as WNBA players, we kind of have to go overseas a little bit to you know make some more money because obviously with salaries and everything, it's a little bit lower. Unfortunately, things are progressing, but it's not the change you want to see just yet. So yeah, after the Mercury WBA season, which is ends depending on playoffs and everything, after that, I will be heading to Italy to play overseas for about seven months. And then coming back, hopefully, if it works out, going to training camp again. And that's just usually the schedule that, you know, it takes for a women's basketball professional career, which is, it's kind of sad, but um, very excited to be a part of this journey. Yes, Sam, uh, help me with the pronunciation. Is it uh, Dinamo Sassari, the team you're pronouncing? You, you pronounced it better than I probably could. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the team is Sassari, and I believe Sassari. like the island or the little, I don't know if they call it cities or anything, is like Sardinia. So it's a little island, and then I'm going to Sardinia with the team Sassari. Okay, very cool. Well, we'll, we'll maybe we'll have a like, chat with you from chatted with you from Tucson and from Phoenix. Maybe we'll get a chance to chat with you from Italy here in a few months. But yeah, uh, we make the time difference work. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like Eric, like Eric said, thanks again for joining us. Um, his ability to to butter up our guests uh, knows no limits. But but really, you're, you are one of our favorites, and we appreciate it. Oh, uh, tell us about whole, how this whole thing with the Phoenix Mercury came about. You know, your tryout with the team came about, and then how you learned you're going to be added to the roster uh, for the season. Yeah. So obviously after the last game, it was a tough one, but um, after that, I got right into it, started uh, talking to agents, trying to hire one. And then obviously Adia was helping me out working because I wanted to play at the next level. So just trying to figure out, you know, the likelihood of getting drafted or training camp options. And so we were just talking about that. Adia was talking to all her friends in the W and then uh, Phoenix, we reached out to Phoenix and coach Vanessa um, said that if I don't get drafted, she would love to have me at training camp. And so after the draft, probably like, 20 minutes later, Adia called me and then coach Vanessa called me saying that she would love to have me at training camp. And I mean, I was so happy. It was just the perfect moment. Uh, you know, Phoenix, which is right close to Tucson, close to home in Vegas. So I jumped on the opportunity. I was like, yes, I, I would love to come. 
And then training camp lasted probably like two, two and a half weeks. Um, got to play the two preseason games with them. So that was really fun. And then um, it was one practice after practice. Uh, Jim Pittman, the general manager, and Vanessa called me into their office, uh, sat me down. I was so scared. I was freaking out. And then, you know, they just said we have to make roster cuts today and we'd love to have you on our roster. And so got a little emotional. Some tears came out, but was very happy for this opportunity. And it's been amazing ever since. And it's great that Adia is still advocating for you and I'm sure for other uh, um, Arizona players after their their time in Tucson ends. And that's fantastic. So let me uh, step back to what you mentioned, that, you know, the bittersweet ending um, to your time at Arizona that uh, you had those two games at least to play in Tucson. You had the, the big standing ovation. You're able to come out of the game at the end, even though I'm, I know it wasn't the way you wanted to come out. But just what, what was that the end like for you? What were the thoughts and emotions going through your mind? Yeah, it was just a lot. I mean, who would have thought I would end my entire career on McHale floor? Um, I think that was something really special. Obviously, it would have been nice to go farther, but I mean, with South Carolina winning the whole thing. So it, it was nice to stay in McHale. And obviously, it was sad to um, lose that game, but to have me surrounded by all the fans, my family, my teammates, everyone that I love, you know, blood, sweat, and tears that gone in that building and everything. So just to be able to have it. I was trying to hold it in a little bit, not be as emotional, but I mean, once I got subbed out and then hugging Kate and Ben do, um, it was just a rush of emotions. And, you know, I think about it a lot. There's a lot of pictures and videos that people are still tagging me in about it. So it's, it's nice. I'm glad that it ended the way it did, wish it could have gone differently, but wouldn't have changed it for anything. When you look back on your Arizona career, Sam, I mean, when you committed there, you couldn't have expected you would have accomplished as much as maybe a player and as a team you know, that, that you guys did just kind of reflect on that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a crazy journey. I mean, obviously coming in, we were not very good, obviously only winning those six games, but I think having Ari and Dominique and TT in those practices, my freshman year, I kind of could see a little bit how good we had potential to be. Never thought that we would jump that fast throughout my five years, but I mean, you know, next year it was a WNIT and then unfortunately COVID happened and then just making that national championship run. I mean, we just put in the hard work, believed in ourselves, trusted Adia, and we just really believed in the culture of our team. And I think that's what really helped us excel on the floor. Give me your favorite moment as an Arizona Wildcat. One thing that stands out. Now, for <laughs> me, off the court, I'm going to say that one of mine of your favorite moments involving you was when you said you were coming back at Arizona Stadium uh, at that celebration. I thought that was one of the coolest things I've seen from the athletic department in a long time. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, that was definitely a fun one. Um, wasn't expecting to do it right then and there, um, but it was just, it just happened. Um, that was definitely a favorite. I would say, obviously, the run to the national championship was a favorite. Um, selling out McHale with the WNIT, I think that was kind of like the push, the hump that got us over to really, you know, bring in the excitement to Tucson. And then probably one of my favorite moments would be beating Stanford on our home court, McHale, because that was that was pretty fun. And all, everyone's going crazy. I, I got to tell you, Sammy, I, I covered the women's basketball team in 03, 04, and they were a good team then, but they didn't have nearly the kind of fan support then that they have now. And I agree with you. I think the WNIT really helped create that sense of community, and, and it's, it's, it's carried over ever since. Uh, let me ask you about your time uh, with the Mercury. Your, your role on the team as, as a rookie – What's the dynamic on this team like compared to, to, to the last several years in Tucson? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously completely different. I'm playing with all stars, people that are, you know, much older than me. They have families. They're so much smart. I realize how much more I have to learn about the game, but it's awesome just being in practice every day and learning from these great people and my peers. And then everyone is so nice. I was so scared coming in as a rookie, you know, I was going to have to do rookie duties, you know, maybe do things I don't want to do, but I mean, everyone's been super supportive. They've been telling me if I need anything, I can always go to them. So very, very happy. And we're actually going to all go cook tonight at my apartment. So super fun about that. Nice. What are you going to, what are you going to make? Uh, we're going to do some soul food, mac and cheese, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, all of it. Love it. Love it. What's it like playing alongside Diana Taurasi, who I, I think most people would consider like the best of all time. What's it like playing alongside her? Yeah. Everyone asks me that question and I just never have a perfect answer because it's, I think I'm just still so like blessed and starstruck at the same time. I'm just, everything she says, I'm just like watching her and taking it in and trying to learn so much. And then just watching her play, she's just seems so relaxed out there and she knows what she's doing. She's on the floor and she makes everyone better. And then off the court, she's probably like one of the nicest people ever, which some people probably might not expect that by the way, you know, she sometimes gets in it with the refs and stuff like that, but she's super nice. And I love being her teammate. 
And, and I think one player that I, I know is one of the better, uh, most, let's say, most heralded players in women's basketball, college women's basketball over the last decade or so is Skylar Diggins-Smith. And now she's a leading scorer on the Mercury. Just talk about her influence on you also as a fellow guard. Yeah, she's definitely been a huge help. Um, I kind of see her as like the mom figure, you know, she has a little boy of herself. So she's always making sure like that I'm taking care of. And then she's also a lefty like me. So um, after, you know, after the last game that we had, I scored my little lefty floater. She was like, yeah, Sam, just like me. And I was like, yeah, like I loved watching you for so long now, like had to do it. And so that was just a fun moment. But I mean, she's super awesome and she just knows the game so well. You can tell she studies it and looks for all the reads. So playing with her is just really fun because, you know, she's just going to teach you how to play the game and not necessarily say like, oh, if the ball comes here, you cut. It's basically just to read it and just move off the defense. So I've been learning a lot from her. That's awesome. It's really cool to see that, that you know, the veterans and Skylar and Diana have been such an influence on you. You had mentioned at the start uh, of our interview here that the WNBA model you know, there might be some changes going forward. What would you hope to see um, as far as professional women's basketball in, in the U.S. Uh, going forward? Yeah, I definitely think it's growing. I think, you know, the support and the fan base is growing. Um, I would definitely say, obviously, what's in the talks, getting more teams, uh, bigger roster sizes, bigger salary caps, because I think women's sports in general has been increasing so much, um, especially since 2020. So I would like to see those changes happen in the near future, but Hopefully they can happen uh, sometime soon. Sam, a bit of a heavier question for you. And I know you haven't had a chance to play uh, alongside Brittany Griner. And, you know, we all know her be detained in Russia for about five months now. Mm -hmm. What's the situation been like for you and your teammates? And how closely are you all following that situation? Yeah, uh, they're doing a very good job of keeping us updated. You know, obviously we see everything in the media. So we're just keeping her on our hearts, praying for her, um, hoping that she gets returned safely, obviously keeping her shoe drive um, going for her. You know, Actually, today they had a shoe drive and they went and delivered shoes to the homeless people. They had just a big truck and they just said, what's your size? And they just deliver the shoes because it's so hot in here in Phoenix, way too hot to be walking around with no shoes. So just trying to keep, you know, everyone's spirits up, hopes up and just keeping on her legacy. Uh, what's it like playing in Phoenix, you know, up in Sun Devil territory? I'm sure you got, you got a lot of Wildcat fans like us up here, but do you, do you get any banter back and forth with some of the fans up there? It's funny. I think I've kind of not converted them to Arizona fans, but maybe kind of like my fans a little bit. I had a few fans, uh, the first day that we did like public appearances. They're like, I love ASU and I will never like Arizona, but so glad you're here. Uh, happy to cheer you on finally. So it's nice to have some Sun Devil fans be able to cheer me on. And then of course, one of my coaches used to coach to ASU. We have a lot of managers, video coordinators all came from ASU. So it's nice to be a big, happy family, not all supporting the same team. <laughs> and there's a, a Sun Devil who just transferred to Arizona is going to be a pretty big, big star for uh, at Arizona next season. Uh, I, I wasn't prepared to ask you this question, but have you, have you had a chance to talk to Jay Laville about that? Um, I talked to her a little, I just congratulated her on committing to the better school. So just hoping <laughs> that she, <laughs> she really enjoys her time there. Cause I know we love to have her. She obviously did some pretty good things against us when we played them. Yeah, so hoping yeah. that she can come here and do the same things for us and make it back to the national championship. Yeah. Let me ask you about the incoming class, um, especially the freshmen. Uh, we had a chance to talk to Maya Naji a few weeks ago, and I am still very upset that that recording got lost. I was downloading oh. it and I know it was a great interview. She's fantastic. And I, I'm still upset about it, but she said some very nice things about you and the relationship oh. that you have and her, you sort of being a mentor to her. What's your relationship been like with her specifically? Yeah, it's been awesome. I remember, gosh, I think it was my junior year. Maybe I think she came on an unofficial visit. So got to meet her then. And then of course her brother playing here yeah. and then her official visit. So I actually had the chance to go back to Tucson for the little kids camp that they had. And she was there. So I got to talk with her for like an hour, just about my experiences, just about working hard, what to expect. Cause you know, it's scary coming in as a freshman. So I really like her. I see her as a hard worker. She's going to do great things for Tucson and the school of Arizona. I think the Tucson fans are really going to fall in love with her. I can see her being, you know, doing the same things that I did there, you know, doing all the academic things, getting all these awards and just bringing that excitement back. So I think Tucson fans are really going to fall in love with her if they haven't already. Yeah. And just based on her interview, like I said, I wish we, we uh, fans were able to hear it because she's fantastic. She actually reminded you, her reminded me quite a bit of, bit of yourself, which is a, mm -hmm. a big compliment. My last question for you, Sam, uh, you were the recipient, the female recipient of the Tom Hansen medal which was given annually for those who don't know to the, uh, to every team in the league's uh, top seat, 
for the greatest combination of performance and achievement and scholarship, athletics and leadership. I want to get, I was, I needed to read that because <laughs> I was forgetting exactly what it was, but what, yeah, as if you couldn't add more to your accolades, what, what did it mean to get that medal? Yeah, it was nice. Um, obviously they told me a little bit before the media post. So it was nice. Cause you know, I thought I was done with Arizona not getting awards. Never. So, <laughs> so it was nice to, you know, have that and have them mention that. And then of course, just, you know, cherry on top for all the hard work that I've put in, you know, academics, basketball community. So I was really honored to get that award and just everyone was saying such nice things. So still happy to, so happy to have that. And my last question for you, Sam, you had come out with this clothing line. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us about the status of that going forward and what, what would you like to see that develop into in the coming years? Yeah. Um, during training camp, I feel like everything happened so fast. So I kind of just pause that a little bit. It's still there, but just haven't really made anything new. Cause obviously now we need a new color scheme change, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we'll see what I want to do with that. I, I don't know if I want to continue doing clothes, it clothes, been thinking about doing other stuff. Um, you know, maybe dog clothes, no, I'm just kidding, but, <laughs> but yeah, definitely want to kind of start, you know, adulting a little bit, maybe starting like my own business of something else besides clothes. Cause I mean, people can buy my Jersey now here. So I'm still figuring out, I think rookie year, I'm just taking it to focus on basketball, learn the pros, and then hopefully in the next couple of years, we'll see some stuff coming out. Well, Sam, you've always been gracious with your time and joining Shane and I. Thank you so much. Once again, even now that you're in the pros, we congratulate you. You continue to make us proud as, as a fellow alumnus of U of A and uh, best of luck. And I'm sure we will talk to you sooner than later. For sure. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. What a great, what a great show we've had here, Shane. I mean, Aaron Torres, always great info, long interview there. I mean, he's he's awesome. And Sam Thomas, I mean, just an app, a class act. That's everything. Every time we've had Sam on, she has been nothing but a class act. She is everything that is good about U of A athletics and and why Shane and I do the show. Both those guests or why we do the show because it's fun, you know. Sam reminds me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald, Eric, because she. She does everything the right way. She's yep. a very savvy business person and she's very polished. Her answers are very like made for TV sound bites. I'm not saying they're fake by any means. I'm not, I'm just saying that they're very well-rounded. You know, she doesn't trail off. She's very, she's very good at it. She's good at whatever she puts her mind yes. to. And she reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald, like the off field Larry Fitzgerald, um, uh, in that way. So, uh, and Sam's doing great with the Mercury. It's great that she's able to dominate up in uh, sun in sun devil country and, uh, get maybe convert some, some ASU fans, at least to being Sam Thomas fans. That's step one. That's the gateway yeah. into, yeah. uh, into conversion. So she's doing, doing some good work there and then, uh, having Aaron on, uh, yeah, we talked about this after we were done talking to Aaron, we need to get him an ice shaker. We need yeah, to get we did. An ice shaker. We did. We gave it to our buddy Scooby, who I believe is in the finals of the, uh, yeah. USFL. So good luck to Scooby. We need, this we week. need to make sure that Scooby celebrates with an ice cold uh, beverage from an, from his ice shaker uh, after, after they went Scooby. The Scooby seemed to like a response to a, a tweet that I had of yours uh, on oh. Wednesday when you had said that uh, you posted something about meeting Sean Miller. How many years ago is that? Thirteen, 13 years, years ago, yesterday, which we're recording Wednesday. So June was it? June twenty eighth. 2009 sean miller had this uh alumni event in scottsdale yeah, i was where, there yeah no, yeah sure. oh were you were you there i believe i was yes okay that was before we knew each other obviously that was correct yep long before we knew each other um so i used to go to all those things i loved it um yeah. so then uh, i said well you know and you said good things about miller i'm excited for the future everything like that and i wrote well I mean, it pales in comparison to me looking into Rose Bowl tickets after Kevin Sumlin got Well, hired. to be fair, you were looking at hotel reservations in Pasadena, right? I mean, I was looking at tickets, hotel. I mean, oh, I was, not that, that's not what you said before, because before I was I, I made fun of you for saying huh. you're looking at Rose Bowl tickets. And you said, no, I didn't do that, Shane. I was just looking I mean, at hotel. Re so the truth, comes so out. The truth yeah, has the finally truth. come out. You're yeah, five right. years later, truth comes out. Okay. Uh, all right. So we teased this before the end of the first segment. I think Sam Thomas is the most beloved Arizona athletics athlete over the last 10 years. Would you disagree with that? And if so, who would you put in the conversation? I have one name I'd put in the conversation. I would put Sam right behind TJ McConnell. That was my only other one I was going to put there. And, and yep. real, real quick, yep. and I mean, everyone loves that guy. I remember I went to an Arizona UCLA game, uh, maybe just a couple of years after McConnell left. And there were some former Arizona players there. McConnell was one of them. Um, 
So Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson were a couple of others. So, you know, during a couple of the timeouts, they'd show the yeah. different guys in the stands. They show Rondé and Stanley Johnson sitting together. They got a very nice ovation mm-hmm. from, from, from the home crowd. The next timeout, they show TJ McConnell and the place went nuts. I mean, a nice ovation for Rondé and Stanley, but nothing like what TJ got. People love that guy. They love how much how much he busted his butt for the program. Yep. Just the two years he played at Arizona, you know, of course, he famously kissed the floor as he came off the yep. Yep. court for That's the last right. time. Sam got a very similar ovation when she came off the court for the last time, albeit in a losing effort. So um, I, I would put those two at the top. I think you could mention a couple of others. I think our guy Scooby would be up there too. Yeah, oh, but yeah Scooby would definitely be in the but, conversation, you bet. Yeah. Kadeem Carey, you could probably throw Kadeem in there. Yeah, I think what well, the you know, Air, yeah, yeah, well, gosh, if Khalil at least beat an ASU once, that might be a different story. But True. But I, I, but I would put T.J. McConnell maybe just above her, above Sam, but the real, like neck and neck, really. In terms so of you would go, so, so for men's basketball, it's T.J. For yep. women's basketball, it's Sam. And for football, it's Scooby. Yeah. Well, I have to also mention Ari McDonald, because, I mean, she, yeah. she was the main reason that Arizona became literally inches away. But from Sam the was thing. the... Sam's the was the, the glue. person out. The yeah, glue is the glue is yeah. yeah and she's like there. just everything right. She's you know, and academically, uh, athletically in the community, and now she's still in Arizona representing. She's going to be off going to going off to Italy in a little bit. Hopefully, we'll have her on then as well. But it's a great question. Uh, I don't say that all about all your questions, but this is a no, good you one. don't. Um, but yeah, I I I gave it a little thought because you mentioned you were we we're going to talk about this. Um, there are several in contention, but I think Sam and TJ are the two that stand out. And Scooby, I think if Scooby is definitely up there too. It's unfortunate that he didn't get a chance to play a little bit more because as yeah. last year he was injured most of the season. So good luck to Scooby this weekend. Uh, we're, we're pulling for you. Uh, last question for you, Shane, on this show, which has been an awesome show. Um, the ACC rolled out this new model, like this three, five, five model, something like that, where you, each team is going to play three set teams on a yearly basis. Then they rotate home and away a few times over the next few years with the, with five, I don't know, something like that with the other teams. What should the PAC 12 do as far as their football scheduling goes? Is there a solution that you see that makes sense for this conference? I would take a look at each team's natural rival and make sure they played every year or rivals, you know, obviously Arizona and ASU, that's really the only big rivalry there. I mean, you know, you have the UCLA and USC schools, but is it really that big? I think from my perspective, I, I think Arizona, the only team I want to see them play every year for sure is ASU and vice versa. Um, USC want to see them play USC. UCLA every year and vice versa. And for other schools, it might make sense to have multiple teams in that category. But to me, that's all that really matters. If you're going to get rid of the divisions, I, I wouldn't worry about playing every team in you know the South or the geographical region every year. I, I think we can mix it up a little more than that. I think make sure that you have that game against your rival. And then you don't have to play. Once you get rid of the divisions, you don't have to play necessarily play USC or UCLA every year. You know, maybe for well, you do, you do because it's recruiting. I mean, everybody maybe. wants to play those teams every year because yeah. or at least one of those teams because you have that recruiting base in Southern California. Maybe UCLA and, U- and, and USC as well as ASU would make sense for Arizona. Then after that, like, do they have to play Utah every year or Colorado no. every year? I don't, think, especially because they're they're the you know the two new teams, still the two new teams of the conference. All right. So the the big question at the. Most of the other big conferences are doing eight games among in-conference games per year. You know, the three traditional rivals and then five, you know, uh, other ones. Should should the Pac-12 stick with nine or go like everybody else to eight? Pros and cons. I, I, I'm kind of torn about it, Eric. The pros are you play four home games and four road games every year. So you're balanced in that regard. Obviously, the scheduling is what it is. You can't make that a level playing field every year. But home and road would be balanced. On the other hand, you get an extra game, you get maybe more of an accurate depiction as to who is the best team in the conference. You know, if you go four and zero in non-conference play, and then you slip up just twice in conference play, you, maybe you don't you don't go to your conference championship game. And you don't have a chance to go to a New Year's Six game. So there's less margin for error in that regard. But the other thing too, with the the pro of just doing eight, is you get possibly a chance to play another great non-conference team. Although the SEC doesn't really do that, they they throw in a um, you know a clunker and a cupcake. Sure. The, yeah. the middle of their conference schedule just is kind of sure. like another tune-up. So if that didn't happen, I'd be in favor of it. I'm fine with a nine-game schedule. I wouldn't necessarily be upset to see it go to eight. I used to love the nine-game schedule, more team, you know, more conference games. I love it. You gotta you gotta adjust to what everybody else is doing. 
you got to have at least seven home games every season. Uh, it just with the money there. I, I mean, yeah. you throw in the NAUs of the world. One of those, you have a mid-major team, maybe a Mountain West team that comes to Arizona Stadium, you know, a New Mexico, one of those. And then you have a real big team, you know, a, a home bigger game and a, and a road bigger game. I think it absolutely needs to be eight. I think the ACC is onto something. I think it's a very, very good idea. Uh, and I think the Pac-12 will not adopt this for some inexplicable reason. For, but because sure, it's a good idea. Because it's a good idea. But we will yeah. talk about this, I'm sure, going forward. Uh, it's been a great show. I want to thank Aaron Torres for joining us. Of course, Sam Thomas, I believe her sixth time on Wildcat Country. Might even be more than that. I've lost count. Uh, great show, Shane. Uh, really enjoyed it. For Shane Dale, I am Eric Cohen. Thanks for listening. And as always, bear down. Bear down.